right. <laughs> this is our take one, test one of our podcast. Are you ready, Kiki? She doesn't care. <laughs> well, welcome, brothers and sisters, to this week's testimony meeting. I'm Sister Brittany. And I'm Sister Ronnie. And this is Young Single Apostates, a podcast about becoming an apostate. (laughs) Yeah, and specifically when you're young, because we both left before our endowments. So I think. Like, um, we basically wanted to start this because we figured we had a very interesting point of view. Because we were both raised in the church, mm-hmm. um, but we both left technically like before we were eighteen. Yep. So we didn't get married. We didn't get our endowments. We didn't go on missions where we know like a lot of people have because we've put on the Exmo Reddit. Yeah. And so a lot of older people seem to post on there who have already had kids and leaving, and so we just thought we would have a very different point of view about things than that. Maybe there are people out there just like us struggling to find their way within the world of Satan. Also, we're, we are based in Arizona, not uh, Utah or Idaho, and Arizona has a very large and very, like, present Mormon mm-hmm. community, but I know it's not nearly the same as Utah. Like, you can definitely find a space in... Arizona, where you never meet a Mormon, but we grew up in a town that was very heavily Mormon, but yeah. we also had non-Mormon friends, and that was very normal. Yeah. Like, we, like, yeah, it was like, we, you couldn't go anywhere without meeting a Mormon, but then there were plenty of non-Mormons everywhere, like, that seemed to be my only friends were the non-Mormons. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, the Mormon girls did not like me no. very much. We were the weird ones. Yeah, I mean, we were weird anyway, but then you put us in the middle of Mormon town and we're even weirder. I mean, if you think of, like, young women's, which I guess isn't a thing anymore, supposedly, but, like, imagine sitting in young women's, you're the one with black nail polish, <laughs> yeah. a hoodie... Just sitting in the corner, not talking to anybody. That was us. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to wear a hoodie, but definitely had black nail polish. That was my that was my thing through high school. That was our way of rebelling. Yeah. Oh, we should probably say we have known each other since we were like six. So another thing is we're we're not talking. We're talking about different experiences because we were in different wards, but we knew each other the whole time. Yeah, like we it's went weird. to church in the same exact building. We uh, grew up basically in all of the same classes at elementary school, Um, and yeah, we went to church in the same building, but we were part of different wards. So what we find really interesting is how (laughs) different we learned things, even though we were literally almost in the same everything. It was so weird. Probably like three hours apart and completely different lessons. (laughs) Well, like, you know. There's this, like, a, a spectrum of lessons, like, um, okay, so my, I know that we've talked about this before, um, so my cousin's daughter recently passed away, and they cremated her, which 
Interesting. Which, I know. It was very surprising. and Which I thought wasn't allowed because, like, you need your body for resurrection. That's, like, it's actually just kind of like a superstition. My mom actually looked up the doctrine, which says that it's not encouraged, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the whole idea about bur- burial versus... Uh, cremation is one of those things that a lot of people think is doctrine, but is just sort of something that, like, the Mormon unconscious decided. Yeah. <laughs> like, where it's not, like, something that's taught, but it's just something that's expected. Yeah, like, exactly. it's just part of life. It's just the way it is kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then people come up with weird reasons or justifications afterward, mm-hmm. but there's, it, Yeah. Because there's yeah, a lot of that. I remember telling my parents, like, I want to be cremated because I don't want to, like, waste all that money on, like, stuff. And they're like, but you need your body for resurrection. And I was like, if God will resurrect me, he can make me a new body. Know, right? <laughs> like, if he's got all this power, he can just make me a goddamn new body. Because even when you're buried, you're still decomposing. Yeah. Your body's not there anyway. Yeah, like, if, if everybody's bodies stayed forever like even bones bones don't stay forever that's why we that's why the world isn't filled with corpses everywhere yeah like some people are more better preserved because of the like minerals in the soil or the environment or the temperature or their own chemical makeup but you will yeah it's all dissolve into the earth and return to the universe like it's all just based on excruciate like excruciating extenuating circumstances like or excruciating circumstances it all depends you know on the weather like how compacted you were was there water Mm -hmm. so um but we wanted to start this off we figured it was better what better place to start a podcast about leaving the mormon church than talking about our first sign of doubt like when we first started questioning what was being taught and i call it i always called it for me personally my seed of doubt this is when my seed of doubt was planted i i never like gave it like a name but i i think on the mormon extra uh, xmo subreddit they would probably call it like your first item on your shelf yeah right yeah. I mean, you're more um, learned in the Reddits than I am. Like, I yeah. still don't even know what half the acronyms mean. Uh, yeah, there's they have a document where you can look them up. I'm too lazy to do that. <laughs> you just, it's like, yeah. I just text you. Be like, what does TBM mean? Yeah. True Believing Mormon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's say True Blue Mormon is one of those things that started as something, and it means somebody who believes. Okay. Because. Like, still believes, is still in it. Yeah. And, doesn't have any, doesn't appear to be leaving anytime soon. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you want to start off, Ronnie, or would you rather have me start off? Um, I'll start off because, like, my, the way that the doubts worked for me was it was just, like, a bunch of little things that I ignored until there was a big thing that I couldn't. So, the very first thing I remember being like, what, wait a minute, is being like six. And up until this point, I had been under the impression that we still, like the church was in possession of the golden plates. 
And I was like, we know our religion's true because we literally have plates, right? We have stuff that we can look at. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how things work. <laughs> that's how truth works. Right. And then I was corrected by my dad. who's was like, oh, no, I, the angel Moroni took them after they were translated. And I was like, wait, what? Isn't that convenient? That's, like, I was six, so I didn't know the word convenient. Yeah. But that was what I was thinking. I was like, why, why would he take them? Now we don't have, like, the proof. But, you know, you're six, so I just sort of, like, put that One away. of those things that, like, is too much for your six-year-old brain to comprehend, so you just kind of, like, eh, whatever. Yeah, and then the next one was when I was, like, nine, and I found out about polygamy, mm-hmm. and I was like, they left that out of all of the stories. Because we don't practice it anyway, whatever. Like, shut up. Yeah, and then I was told... I was I was lied to uh, with the the standard lie from my dad again. Interestingly, um, that oh a lot of the men were murdered by mobs, so they married the women to take care of them. Right. Which, like now that I have done the research and I looked into the historical records and I looked into the newspapers, mm-hmm. and I know that that's not true. But that's what's really interesting too, because that's what my dad basically told me yeah. too was. Well, remember, um, like, when the Mormons were coming westward, there was, like, that war, the, like, Mexican War or something, and so all the men went off to war to help because they were righteous men, and not all of them came back, so the ones who did come back or who had stayed behind married the widows out of the Mm -hmm. goodness of their hearts so they could take care of them and their their children, and you think, like, oh, like, what what a good thing these people did. But then when you find out the truth, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, no, it was a sex cult, but... <laughs> and I want to do an episode, like, purely... Because one of my things I want to try to do with this podcast, too, is to have this little hearsay. Mm-hmm. I want to back, be able to back our shit up. Yeah, I think that's so, it's so important, especially when there's so much obfuscated stuff with Mormon history and the doctrine, like... Um, when I'm on the subreddit, people will say that, like, they're talking to people who are learning now, oh, the church always taught about the rock and the hat. And, I, and I'm like, no, they didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were told that they were plates and that Joseph Smith looked at them and he used the Yerman thumb. There was no mention of a rock and a hat, but the church says now, oh, we always talked about that. Oh, yeah. So, I, I always thought they were the Yerman thumb and were the rocks that he, like, kept in the top hat that nobody was allowed to see. Well, the rock that he put in the, the top tier hat, stones, that was a rock that he used while treasure hunting. <laughs> so it was a different rock. Um, but, like, I had been taught, and if you look, and, like, I distinctly remember, and you can look up online, the artist renditions of Joseph Smith with the plates in front of him, like... Even though supposedly nobody ever saw the plates except him. Yeah, so... Well, I guess there are some who say they saw them, but... They saw it with their spiritual eyes, Brittany. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so at least with this first episode, this is all based on personal experience, so we mm-hmm. don't have, like, things to back it up, but I'm hoping with future episodes we'll, like, have our research yeah. and our receipts Like, and there's stuff. definitely stuff that I want to, like, talk about. Like, if we talk about polygamy, that's definitely stuff that we're... that. We're going to have some research. We're going to be able to to pull up the documents and look. And there's a lot of, there's a, fortunately the Mormon subreddit has made it there. Ex-Mormon subreddit has made it extremely easy to look up this stuff. People just like to share this information. Um, but also I want to talk, like when we talk about, careful, she's going to go. Yeah, sorry. 
Um, my dog only wants uh, to sit on my lap and no one else's. Um, but, like, I, I would love to talk later on about, um, like, Elizabeth Smart, because I know that that was, like, a huge thing when we were growing up, mm-hmm. and it connects so, like, deeply into purity culture, and it's, there's, there's just a lot there, and I would love to talk about that at some point. I know we're going to have to do a lot of research yeah. to... And I love Elizabeth Smart. Like, even if she's still in the church, like, that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. That's her choice. But mm-hmm. she can, she's still critical of the church. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be a part of the church and believe in it, but be critical about it. Like, ask mm-hmm. questions. Like, this is not, like, our our goal isn't to, like, spread the word of Satan and, like you know, get everybody unconverted to Mormonism, but we just hope that you would ask questions, because that's what people don't do. They just don't ask questions. And they don't, you know, they just accept what the church tells them without, you know, looking anything up themselves. And I, I just hope that if you are questioning and you're listening to this, that it's not our goal to, like, make you leave the church that's perfect that's all your choice whether you stay or you go that has to be your choice but you should be fully informed about what you are agreeing to right you have every right to question and to do research and then to decide what you believe is a reliable source and what you believe is the truth but you should always ask questions just because you deserve to because that's something that's not encouraged you're not encouraged to ask questions You're not encouraged to question anything. And I think that's very important is to, like, be critical and to have a critical thinking mind behind it. It's important about, like, anything in life. Like, we're just coming out of the pandemic, and there's a lot of misinformation going around about vaccines and about COVID in general. And, like, during this this time, it's, it's important to ask questions about the med, like what's going on, and to look at a bunch of different sources, and to just then you have the information you can decide for yourself. But like, you know, there's a lot of people who didn't ask questions and just sort of believed what they saw on Facebook, and it's it's kind of dangerous to and do that. To be, I mean, this might piss people off, but. It, it's almost kind of like those who are still part of the people I know who are still part of the church are the ones who are just believing all that misinformation. Yeah. Well, there's because they were never taught to question. They never have questioned, and they never will question. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I've I've been reading a little bit about like QAnon because I know that um, like people in who who are deeply into like the Mormon religion are a little bit more vulnerable to it so i've just been like been reading a little bit and i want to do some more research because it's fascinating to me about there's a certain uh subset of people who are more uh vulnerable to that kind of control because that's the thing like QAnon, there are there were puppet masters who were using this to to get people to buy their shit so that they would like they basically use people to get rich and so it like it's just really interesting to see what that the that people who are vulnerable to one kind of information are vulnerable to other kinds of information misinformation. But speaking of like 
doubting and questioning, what was your seed of doubt? Well, you, you weren't fit. We went off on a wild, wild tangent there. Expect, expect more of that because um, we can't concentrate for well, anything. Right. ADHD. Unmedicated. I don't have ADHD, but I uh, am an enabler. <laughs> God damn it. Well, but you it, but... you left off on nine years old, nine years being, old. learning about polygamy and mm-hmm. how it was like, oh, we were, we were doing the right thing. It wasn't this yeah. weird thing. It was because we were helping our yeah. widows. I, I actually cried myself to sleep that night because I was imagining, like, what would I do if... Because at the time, um, I thought I was straight, and I assumed, because you grew up Mormon, I assumed I was going to marry a man and have children. So I was envisioning, like, what, how awful it would feel to be in love with someone and married to them, and they just marry another woman. Mm-hmm. So I remember crying myself to sleep that night. I was a very melodramatic child. Um, but like, that was just something that really hurt. And then I was just like, well, you know, that was what God wanted and it was for a good reason. So I just put it, put it away on my shelf. (laughs) Yeah. Um, was there anything after that? Um, yeah. Once I got into young women's and I started seeing how the young men and the young women were treated extremely differently. Mm Um, I remember like. That would just built and built and built, but I remember specifically there was a mutual activity when I was 14 when the boys got to go play laser tag and the girls were quilting. And I was like, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and then, like, my final, the, the seed that I could not ignore was in high school. And I, I would say, like, 16, but I was definitely questioning before then when I realized that I'm not straight and that I'm very attracted to women and that just sort of upended everything that I knew about myself and the world. And that was like something that I couldn't put on the shelf. I definitely had to deal with. And that's what prompted me to eventually leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you were there. You were the only one who knew for two years. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't I like the first one you came out to? Yeah. I was like when, when I, because I was questioning through like freshman and senior year and then junior year I was totally infatu- infatuated with this girl and I was freaking out and I, I called you and I was like Brittany I think I like girls and your first question was okay are you okay and so like you were the only one who knew for two years what's gonna be funny person. too is Ronnie has all these memories of when we were growing up that I have no memory of <laughs> So, which uh, I have terrible memory, by the way. So just letting everyone out there know <laughs> that Ronnie will bring up a lot of things that I don't remember. <laughs> and I feel so bad because I feel like okay. I should remember. But because okay. you say all these like prolific things, like how, like how we be- first became best friends. Yeah. Well, I didn't remember that for a long time, but I, I don't think I remembered it until like middle school, how we, how we became best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I, my memory is really weird. A lot of times I don't, in my day to day, I don't remember my childhood and I find it really strange when people do remember it, but I know that has a lot to do with trauma because I grew up in an abusive household. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things are just sort of put in a closet so mm-hmm. I can function, but, um, things will trigger memories and it's like, oh yeah, I remember exactly 
like where I was and I remember who I was with. Like it's it's really weird. Mm-hmm. So I I also have a weird memory, but I. I'm pretty sure that's just trauma. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard to differentiate, like, do I just have terrible memory? Is it trauma response or something else? Yeah. Or should I get my brain scanned? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, there's also, like, my memories of church are, like, one big blur because church was boring and the same. And so sometimes I look back and, like, was I eight? Was I? And I have to sit down and think. So I'm like, okay, I know that I was, like, I was in Sunday school, so I was under 12, but I know that it was, like, it must have been, I must have been over nine because my friend that I really liked had moved, like, you You gotta, like, deduce it like you're Sherlock (laughs) Holmes. (laughs) Yeah, like, and I find it was really interesting when you first told me about the Exmo Reddit, Uh and I first went on it, and it, it was the first time I realized just how far I had gotten from the church because mm-hmm. we've been out of it for like 20 years um so that's a long time and it's hard <laughs> to remember some things about I think 10 years 10 years we're, yeah we're 30 we're 30 but we've left when we were oh I guess 18 see math is hard <laughs> yeah I guess mine would be like 15 years because I I would say that I definitively left when I was 16. I have a moment where I was like, I'm not going back to church. Right. Well, and that was me too, but I was still forced to go to church. Yeah, but I like, because I stopped believing around, like, I had started to really withdraw around, it's so weird. Okay, so about 12 is when I started to be like, I don't like this. But I guess I have to go because, like, I still believed, I believed in the Mormon God, but I didn't believe in the Mormon doctrine anymore, mm-hmm. which is not, which is weird. It's a, it's a lot of mental juggling to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was, but I still went to church and a lot of that was because I was forced to because my dad was extremely, extremely religious. Um so I continued to go, even though I no longer believed in the Mormon doctrine. And then when I was 16, I had a moment, which was, it was really weird. It was, we, for, for a, a year, when we were 16, we were in the same ward. Mm-hmm. And it was a one time that you weren't there. And we had the first lesson I'd ever had on homosexuality. And that was when I was in the midst of, like, I was 16, I was, like, I was infatuated with this girl, I would dream about her, I was, like, I was having all these feelings, realizing, like, that I'm different. It it was, that was the moment when I was, like, I can't come here anymore because, like, I was feeling physically ill hearing Mm -hmm. about, like, listening to this lesson, and I ended up praying because that's what you do when you need help is you pray and I said like what do I do and then I just like listened for this still small voice and the still small voice said run get out because they're going to destroy you if you stay so I came home after that and I told my mom like I'm not going to church anymore and that was that was like the moment when I started to extricate myself from the church and to stop worshiping the Mormon God Mm -hmm. because up to then like I said like it's kind of like if you are LDS I think it's hard to 
understand the difference, but I think you've been through something similar where I still believed that the Mormon God existed, and I still believed in Satan, and I still believed that he helped me, but I didn't believe that I couldn't drink tea. You right. Know? Well, it's kind of like when I left, like, spiritually, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, I knew it wasn't Satan. I was like, it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, Satan's bullshit. Like, in those terms of, like, mm-hmm. um, but it, I still was terrified that I was going to hell. That mm-hmm. I wasn't going to, you know, I was going to live in spiritual prison forever because I turned my back on the church. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't believe it. But I was still, yeah. like, I still had those residual feelings that's, where... That's the indoctrination. <laughs> like, I had to kind of deal with it. Like, I literally had to accept the fact where it's like, I'd rather go to hell than keep living this way. Yeah. And believing in this church and everything and, you know, and all that. Yeah, I just, like, um... And that's kind of a scary thing. It's like you're literally accepting your damnation. Yeah. To so, be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think the only reason that I was able to walk away is because I got that response. And, you know, a lot of... You can... You can believe however you want to believe about the Holy Spirit, if you want to believe if that it's your intuition that it is actually from God, that it is the universe. Like, I just know that in my past, I have reached out in that way and gotten good answers. And that response at that time, when I was so frightened and so unsure, it was so strong and, like, just so adamant um, that I, you know, I trusted that. Because I, like, it had, mm-hmm. it always had helped me. So, um, like, I'm not going to say, oh, it was God talking to me or it was, like, you know, the universe. Like, I have my personal belief about what it is. <laughs> but I think that, it, like, I think that everybody has the ability to reach out. And what you believe you're reaching out to is your, that's mm-hmm. up to you what you think you're reaching out to. Yeah. If, it's, if it's just your inner self, if it's the collective unconscious, you know. Yeah. It's <sighs> a lot. Yeah, we still haven't talked about your seat of doubt, though. Oh. It's been all me. Meh, 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 meh. <laughs> well, I would say I call my official seat of doubt when I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have, I guess, the experiences you had, like when I was littler. I just know that my sister had a lot of issues growing up. My sister had left. Where she's eight years older than me. For you know, context. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, was experiencing all those teenager things when I was little. And I, my parents believed that it was because of her that I left the church because of her influence and mini, mini, mini. But I actually was like chill with the church. I mean, I didn't like wearing dresses. I was a big tomboy. I didn't like going to church, but like, if if friends asked me to hang out on Sunday, I would say no, like I can't on Sunday. That's, that's God's day or whatever. So, like, I had all of those things. Like, it was just, I I never had a reason to doubt, I guess. I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, my sister's weird, but I still love her. And, like, she's going yeah. through stuff. And I know it's making my parents upset, but I'm too young to really realize what's going on. Um, And then, but when I was 14, and I also remember going to, like, baptisms for the dead. 
and feeling the spirit within me and being like, oh, I feel so good. Like the spirit and all like, this has to be true if I feel so good about it and blah, 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 blah. Um, but when I was 14, I remember going, I was in Sunday school and it was the lesson about, because this was the first time I had ever heard, because I always thought, you know, you got your telestial, your terrestrial, your celestial, mm -hmm. um, you know, what you have to do to get to each level. Mm -hmm. But I had never known that marriage was part of that. Really? No. I never thought, like, you had to get married to go to the Celestial Kingdom. So that's a, definitely a difference between our wars. <laughs> that was very clear from very early on in my life. I mean, there's no... Like, it could have been taught. I just didn't pay attention because I have bad ADHD. I was probably daydreaming during that lesson. Yeah. But anyway, it it struck home when I was 14. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was, like, kind of flying on. I was like, oh, you know, I believe everything. And then they were like, you have to get married to get to the Celestial Kingdom. And as stupid as it sounds, that's when I, like, screeched. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> because, again, for context, I never wanted to get married. I was like, ew, I hate boys. I never want to, you know, like, mm -hmm. it was like a foreign thing. I was like, I want to be an independent woman and I don't want to have a man in my life. And, you know, yeah. I was like a screaming feminist before I even knew what that was. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, the teacher was like, well, yeah, you have to. I'm like, well, what if you don't want to get married? And he said, too bad. Yeah, he literally was like, well, sucks to suck. If you want to go to Celestial Kingdom, you have to get married in the temple. And that is what started me on that, you know. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people on the Reddit, they have the CES letter. Yeah. That people, a lot of people read that, like, and that's what helped them leave. We didn't have that. That wasn't a thing. Um, the internet was just starting. This was like early. MySpace. This was early two thousand. Yeah. So. MySpace was all the rage. Uh, YouTube was this like weird like we didn't even get youtube until like high school we yeah. were on albino black sheep yeah like flash videos were a thing uh, and like people were just doing new grounds new grounds weird was... potato quality videos yeah. on youtube like there was no cultivation of youtube at that point yeah so we didn't have access to the same information that we do now yeah we were we like if you wanted to go find this information, you had to dig for it. Mm -hmm. You might even have to go look in archives and, like, get at, buy actual books. But we didn't know about the actual books. Like, yeah. No Man Knows My, uh, what is it called? By Fawn Brady? I don't know. Uh, no Man Knows My Story. Like, we didn't even know about that that book because so we want to give this context where like there is very little information about out there about like anti-mormonism and whatever there was people would be like you don't pay attention to that because that's satan yeah it's just say like the the line was always that is satan working to bring down christ's one true mm -hmm. church so that's what was scary about looking up information because you thought you were toying the line with satan yeah, it's like, um, so I, I am pagan and I, uh, literally my realization that I, I'm attracted to women, uh, was what prompted me to look into paganism because I was like, a Christian God isn't going to understand what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. A woman feeling something for another woman. He doesn't know. 
So, like, that was my first foray. I was 16. I happened upon a uh, pagan activity book in my school library. <laughs> it's just really... It was, like, like uh, activities for Samhain or, like, how to make a Yule wreath. It was, like, really simple, but it also, I needed that. Mm-hmm. I needed something really simple to break down the concepts for me. And so I was, like, terrified because even though... I was like, I don't want to worship Mormon God anymore. I still believe, I actually still believe he exists because I believe that people can create, uh, like gods through the power of their belief. Um, but I don't think he's the only one. I think he's just a narcissistic asshole who doesn't want you to love anybody else. Or he's just a a good God, but he has been so blown up by the, like, I feel like it's the church that makes him. I don't know. We can get into that in another (laughs) episode. But, like, but I had the same thing where I, even though I didn't believe that I had to worship this god, this specific god anymore, as I was researching paganism and looking into other gods, I had, there was that voice in the back of my head going, this is Satan trying to, like, destroy you. This is Satan trying to, you know, and so that's why it, I, it, and we were coming off the cusp of the satanic panic of the 90s, too, so. Yeah. Like, D&D was considered satanic at that yeah, point. Yeah, I, I had a friend um, in high school whose parents wouldn't let him play D&D because they were convinced it was satanic. Which like, was, Harry Potter was satanic. I remember, <laughs> you remember we were playing Harry Potter and we were, like, nine and our parents were concerned. I don't know if my parents... My, my mom was really concerned. Your mom talked to my mom and my mom asked me and she said... Ronnie, um, so when you play, like, witches, are you, like, just playing, like, magic, or are you playing, like, other stuff? And I was like, well, we have, like, We're playing Harry Potter. Like, I didn't even know, at that point, I didn't know that, uh, the historical context of witches having packs with devils, so I didn't know what she was talking about. Right, we were just, like, we're just playing Harry Potter, I don't know what the deal is. it was weird. No, like, in my parents had a weird thing with manga and anime, they thought that was, like... To be fair, a lot of people have, are, only know the stereotype of hentai, and they don't realize that there's, like, it's literally just comics. There's so many different kinds of Like, all I was reading was, like, shoujo fluff, and they're like, Mm -hmm. that's Satan's comics, and you're like... Also, well, I mean, Clamp has a lot of queer characters. Well, yeah, like, I I definitely, (laughs) I definitely think, because we were both... That we didn't realize until we were older. Well, we were both big readers. Yeah. Growing up, so I think that helped us, because... We had exposure to other things from mm-hmm. reading. Like, I yeah. remember reading, like, A Child Called It when I was really young. Yeah, I don't think our parents should have let us read that that young, but we did. I read it when I was, like, 12. Yeah, like, we, we read it, like, in elementary school. Yeah, it was... Because we were that those kind of nerds. Yeah, I read Sybil at 12, which is um, about the Sybil. She had a multiple personality, and it detailed, like, her abuse... I would not let my child mm-hmm. read that at 12. And, like, a child um, called it, if you don't did. know, it's about, like, a boy who was abused by his parents. And they would very make... Very intensely. Very, like, I, when I think about it, I'm surprised that he survived. Like, yeah. And so, we were reading those kinds of things <laughs> as kids. So, I feel like that kind of worked in our favor, in a way, because it helped us be more open-minded. Yeah. And, well, another thing is, we were fantasy nerds like as soon as we got because we were in the same 
first to third grade class. Um, and we were read Harry Potter, I think in third grade. And that just like ignited us. And, uh, fantasy for children wasn't as prolific mm -hmm. as it is now. Now I love that I can just, there's, I can look, go into a bookstore or a library and there's so much fantasy, mm -hmm. but back then you had to look for it. Mm -hmm. And we looked for mm -hmm. it. We like picked up every single thing that had a witch on it or had like magic or a flying carpet. We were, yeah. Because of Harry Potter. Like, yeah. We just were so, like, it was just, yeah, it was the perfect, that's why I think why it's so prolific for so many growing up. It was, mm -hmm. like, the first exposure to fantasy to and imagination and mm -hmm. this whole other world where you could, there's all these possibilities and. Yeah, and I, so I think that you're right, like, because um, my, my TV watching and my movies were heavily monitored. Mm -hmm. Like, we we my mom didn't even let us watch rugrats because she felt that angelica was too mean um so that was but because i read so much my mom gave up trying to monitor my reading material she couldn't keep up with you no she literally she gave up when i was about 12. she's like eh. well yeah my parents weren't readers so i don't think they even tried yeah. Except anime. That was the only thing they were like, mm, we don't know if you should be reading all this. And I was like, really? Now's the time? Not when I was reading, like, A Child Calls It or all of these other crazy, yeah. horrible books, but anime. It's <laughs> <laughs> so when you decide to be concerned I mean, about what I'm reading. It's also foreign, Brittany. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading things like Magic Knight Ray Earth and Cardcaptor Sakura. And, like, I, I wasn't even Magic reading Knight anything Earth. that it's was so concerning good. until, like, we started reading, like, Yaoi and stuff. And then, yeah. But that was more like high school. That was definitely, I was like 16 when I discovered, yeah. Well, there's that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, that we understand but I will having say a for over. a very long, for a very, very, very long time, manga and anime was the only place I could find queer stories, mm -hmm. which is what drew me to it. Is that I read a lot of Yaoi and um, even just like like I said, Clamp has queer characters that are just they're just there in their shoujo manga. And so for me, I oh sorry, uh, I just I read I was drawn to it because I literally couldn't find those kind of stories anywhere and anywhere else. And that's where I was. Um, Kiki, stop! They're gonna get your lick. It's gonna record your licking, Kiki. Yeah, stop. Okay, so for a long time I couldn't find stories about queer people and that was exactly the time when I was starting to question and going, wait a minute, like, what if I'm not like everybody else like I thought it was? So I kind of, like, it's kind of funny because I kind of understand that if you want to keep your kids away from... Uh, like, certain uh, acceptance of different lifestyles. Like, yeah, they shouldn't be wearing, uh, like, reading 16 plus. Like. Yeah, 16 plus is pretty intense. Like, it's fun. It's just funny because, like, um, so I, I studied Japanese in college, and I minored in it, and the Japanese have no problem with homosexuality, and they think it's hilarious that Westerners do. So it's a lot more common to just, like, show up in their um in their literature it's just oh some people are queer well but it's interesting with the japanese culture too that they are very like conservative 
Yeah. But then they're so open-minded to, like, it's weird. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you be conservative, but also... Well, well, I think it's old, like, a lot of people who are more old-fashioned don't accept it, but mm-hmm. definitely the younger generation. Well, it's definitely, like, the, the feeling there, um, and it's probably changed since, like, it's probably changed, especially as people are more open. Like, I know there's a, there's a, um, district in, uh, Tokyo where gay people can get married but that's the only place (laughs) um but they have a kind of a feeling that it's your business what you do behind closed doors we don't care which is kind of freeing but also for those of us who want to be out and loud and proud it's stifling it's a it's it's interesting but like the point is that because of how they they don't consider it sinful or abhorrent it does pop up in manga and anime, and for a long time, the uh, translators would change the genders of different characters. Yeah, like in Sailor Moon, like yeah. Uranus and Neptune, they were just really good cousins. Yeah, <laughs> or like Zoisite and Malachite. Remember from they were they were two of the villains. Um, one of them had a long hair and a ponytail, so they're like you're a woman now, but they were all men. <laughs> I was always like, you do care. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they like anime was also heavily edited. Yeah, like anything that was on Four Kids or WB uh, was heavily edited. Bleh. Even Card Captor Sakura was heavily edited. Like, they took out one entire episode, and it was like because I think they also wanted it to be more action packed, so like boys would like it. But whatever. Whatever. Anyway. So this whole conversation was because, you know, internet was still in its infancy. We were still discovering it. Um, I was 14, you know, now everything I ever knew I was questioning, you know, but, and I had my sister to kind of lean off of because she had already Mm -hmm. dealt with all of this. Um, But it was also kind of scary to ask her because I didn't want my parents to think like she was the one sending me down the path of darkness or whatever. And, um... And also, I think a really big thing that was happening while we were in high school that definitely skewed me, like, that pushed me, I think that was, like, the final straw, was Uh Prop 8. Oh, yeah. Was Prop 8 was, like, a proposition in California that was going, that they wanted to ban gay marriage. And Mm -hmm. in Arizona, we had a very similar one called, like, Prop 200 or something. I think it was Prop 102. It was something. So basically, there was all these big things going on. You know, obviously, gay marriage wasn't legal everywhere yeah. yet. And they were, you know, actively trying to make it illegal. Mm-hmm. And I was pissed. <laughs> well, because you had come out to me. Mm-hmm. I had a different friend who came out to me. I was, so I was like, I have friends who are, like, gay or queer. Yeah. And, um... I learned that the church, again, I don't have the receipts to show, but hopefully in a future episode, the church was donating money, yeah. supporting Proposition 8, and yet they were like, love one another. And I'm like, how are you loving one another, but you're still trying to mm-hmm. do this? Like, I didn't understand how, like, a church who supposedly was built up on loving people and being accepting and yin 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 was doing something like this. And that was, like, my first um thing of, like, you know, politics and, like, yeah, dirty money and, you know, and stuff like that. And I was also pissed off because 
everybody who was Mormon had one of those prop 200 or prop whatever 100 signs in their yard, even my parents. And it gave me such visceral anger every time I saw it. Because to me, all it represented was hate. It represented everything I didn't believe. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because my parents never really actively taught me, like, oh, hate homosexuals. But they never taught me love homosexuals. Like, they never taught me one way or another. So it's very interesting that I just kind of became accepting on my own, like, despite everything. It's because you you knew people, and so we weren't just, like, this scary boogeyman. You're just like, yeah, my best friend of, like, ten years. (laughs) And I think part of it's, like, I called, when I called you, I was, like, frantic. So I think, like, also, like, you know that we weren't, like, giving in to Satan or whatever. It was, like, a traumatic, like, experience, and it was, like, a struggle. So I think just knowing people who mm. are, you were like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense, because I know that they're not, like, Like, the even if you're gay, you're still a human. Yeah. Like, it's not Satan or anything. Like, because I always believed was, it was kind of, like, how I would try to tell my parents, like, did you choose to be left-handed? Yeah. No. Did you choose just, to be right-handed? Did you choose to have cilantro just, taste like soap? No, these I are just... so bad for those people. Cilantro's <laughs> so good. It's like, you don't <laughs> choose these things. These things just are. And so being gay is one of those things, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you just... If, if people could choose to be gay or not be gay, they wouldn't choose to be gay. I would. Well, because of all of, like, the... <laughs> You know, if you're in the middle Being of, like... straight is boring. Well, but you know what I mean, where it's, like, yeah. would you choose to have all of this, like, confrontation, is, all of we, this, like, suffering, we being um, questioned who you are, to being told you're disgusting? Like, nobody chooses yeah, we, that. We are more prone to mental illness. We do have lower, um, like, expectancies for, like, um like careers and making money and stuff so like i am totally understand from that point of view like you wouldn't choose something that's like oh hey by the way you're gonna probably be suicidal and you might end up being homeless yeah like sign here you wouldn't choose to live a lifestyle that is decidedly harder than being heterosexual but like i think another thing is that um like because growing up i did not know that you that there was anything except straight until like middle school Mm -hmm. And so, like, now that I'm older and, like, my journey was, like, I thought I was straight for a long time and then I realized I like girls and I was with a, uh, a man where he was really more a boy because he's my high school sweetheart. We were together for, like, seven years mm-hmm. and I really didn't realize until I was almost 30 that I don't think I would be happy with a man. Like, I... I think that I'm way higher on the Kinsey scale than I had originally thought. And so I think part of that's knowing myself better, but I also think it has some, I think that sexuality is more fluid and more complicated than what, than like I was taught. It's not black and white. Like people are demi, people are ace, people are ace and on, and Mm -hmm. gay people are. Well, it's kind of like you, are bisexual you would say I identify as pan now but I used bisexual for a long time yeah Yeah. where I identify as asexual or Mm -hmm. gray sexual which we can get into we should have a we're gonna have a whole episode on sexuality it's gonna be fun (laughs) 
Um, but, like, I would consider myself pan-romantic. Like, mm-hmm. I do not look at someone and feel sexual attraction. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what would what is that? Like, what does that even feel like? I it's don't know. Annoying, because, you know, I would grow <laughs> up and people would be like, oh, I have a crush on someone. I'd be like, oh, that person's aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't have crushes. I didn't understand, like... I, that's why I thought it was broken because I was like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about because I didn't feel mm-hmm. it. But I would consider myself like pan romantic just because, in my mm-hmm. head, you can be anyone, and if we got like a connection, mm-hmm. that's chill that's with me. Matters. I just don't feel sexually attracted to anyone. Mm-hmm. But I, I could. I've had crushes, yeah. like teeny itty bitty baby crushes, but they don't usually last very long. And they mm-hmm. usually almost kind of, like, sideswipe me because I'm not used to them. Yeah. So if I'm just, like, <laughs> like, I have a crush, and I'm like, oh, God, what is this? Ah! Yeah, whereas, like, just for, for context, I'm the kind of person that, like, I will find myself accidentally staring at boobs. Boops. Yeah, we're just me. I'm like, <laughs> we're, very, we're very different on that scale. But it's, like, that kind of thing that, like, it's so complicated, and I... I hate how locked into, like, that was what drove me away from the church finally was being locked in. They have, I don't think, as much as a lot of people who love the church and also love their their queer friends and family and want to be inclusive, I don't think that the church, church's doctrine has a place for mm-hmm. us. And if there's a place made, I think that it will not be the church that we it will not be the church as it is today because like like your your ace like you would have to marry a a person and then you know and but you don't feel that attraction to them and that's not fair to them either and and i think that was part of the reason i was so terrified to get married Mm -hmm. to anyone because i didn't wasn't i didn't have that visceral attraction and what's an expectation with marriage is sex Mm -hmm. and it's like how can i have sex with someone that I don't have that as you know like you don't want to be disgusted with your sexual partner like that's well and as a 16 year old it was a lot I didn't know I was asexual I just was terrified of this whole like I don't want to get married I don't want to have sex with anyone I don't want to do anything where now as a 30 year old I'm like oh I was just asexual (laughs) and like you're looking at at baby I would say baby ace when because we usually say baby gay, and mm-hmm. you're like bi or gay, and you look back and go, oh, baby gay me. Like, it's baby almost like, ace Brittany. you know how I kind of, like, struggle, because I was like, I have, like, depression, anxiety, yeah. and I'm on a lot of medications, and I was like, I don't know if my lack of attraction has to deal with my medication, it, or that, is that it a part of just who I am. And when I, I went off my medication for just a little while, because uh-huh. I had moved, and I didn't get them filled at the pharmacy just yeah. yet. And I was horny as fuck. I was just like, I will have sex with anything. But I wasn't, like, attracted to anybody. So I was like, oh, I can experience, I experience sexual arousal. Like, I can have a good time. But that doesn't mean I'm attracted to someone for sexual reasons. So now as a 30-year-old, I could be like, I could have sex with someone. Uh I just don't because I just don't have that need. Yeah, that's, like, um, like, that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about ace individuals is that some of them are, some people who are ace are disgusted at the thought of sex. Some people who are ace are, like, it's cool, like, it's fine. Um, some people, like, just don't like having sex with other people, but they're fine, like, with a vibrator or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, that's why it's the ace spectrum. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's like, it's one of those things that because we were taught, oh, you have to marry a man, like, it took till you were 30 to figure out. And you have to have babies, and that means uh, sex. And uh, we need to have a whole episode on sex. Oh, I will probably have, like, a four-part series (laughs) or something about sex. But anyway, so, like, those things, you know, the fear of having to get married to someone, having to eventually have sex with them, when we had no sex education whatsoever. I I didn't get sex education until I was in college. I got sex ed, but only because my mom was in the medical field, so I got a very medical sex education when I was, like, eight. I mean, I knew, like, what sex was, but I never, like... Mm -hmm had a comprehensive education about it until college. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't because my parents, it was because I read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I discovered what sex was when people started having sex in the books I was reading. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I was, and mm, I think one of the nails that, you know, the nail in the coffin mm-hmm. was when for mutual, I hated going to mutual because again, like you said, it was like the boys got to go canoeing and got to go rock climbing. And also and, I had homework and stuff. And we got to make arts and crafts or bake brownies for the elder people. And, and I was just, and I was a tomboy. I was like, I want to go canoeing. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I have to go wrap pens and flowers like they have in doctor's offices? Like, I don't understand. We did that. And then we tried to sell them for four bucks each to make money for girls camp and oh my god that's such a scam okay sorry keep going and um so and then yeah one of the mutual activities was they were going to hand out brochures or pamphlets about proposition whatever and i was like really what happened to separation of church and state i think they're actually legally not allowed to do like i don't know it probably wasn't the church that did it although i wouldn't doubt it if it was Mm -hmm. but it just the fact that this was supposed to be a church activity and we were supporting something political that i had a problem with that and so i think that was one of the well and a lot of issues within my family that Mm -hmm. i don't feel comfortable sharing but just a lot of stuff was going on behind the scenes and I would say I spiritually like the grassy. Right. I would say I spiritually left at sixteen, but mm-hmm. I was still forced to go to I told my parents I don't want to go to church anymore and they're like, Well it doesn't matter. You're you under to, our roof. Yeah, they were like, You can do whatever you want when you turn eighteen, but as long as you're still under eighteen you have to So I still had to go to church after I had left and it was awful. <laughs> so if anybody's going through that, I see you and I understand you. <laughs> And it will get better, I promise. But in the meantime, it feels like it will never end. And finally, when I turned 18, the scariest moment I would say in my entire life, but I'm so proud I did it, Mm -hmm. when I just went up to my parents. Because I knew, I was like, I have to be, this is the only way I can be happy. I had to, because I feel like a lot of, maybe it's just my family or just our culture, but maybe some of you out there experience this, like, you know, when you get the guilt trips. Yeah. We would really love it if you went to church. It would make us so happy. And you're like, I, those. I finally had to choose, do I spend my entire life making other people happy mm-hmm. with making myself miserable, or do I choose myself? And I finally was like, I have to choose myself, or I'm literally going to, like, go jump off a bridge. Because I was experiencing a lot of things with, like, suicidal thoughts, yeah. trigger warning, and, you know, and things like that. And so I trigger was Trigger warning for the podcast. We've, <laughs> we've both had a lot of um, 
a lot of suicidal ideation and struggles with depression and anxiety. Well, we're doing okay. We're medicated. I have a therapy appointment in an hour. <laughs> as far as right here, right <laughs> now, today, we are in good spaces. Yes. But then we were not. No, and not really getting the help that we needed yeah. either. And we didn't know how to get that help mm-hmm. because we were so dependent on our parents that were so yeah. embroiled in this. Like, You're 16. You, you literally aren't capable of asking for what you need. And if your parents can't figure that out or aren't willing to figure that out, it's its, its own. I think they just kept thinking, oh, I'll grow out of it and I'll come back. I know. Because they still yeah. forced me to go on the church history tour. I still had to go to Mutual. I still had to go. I think the one of the big things that pissed me off, too, was I was, um, I did, was kind of doing bad in high school because of everything going on in my life. My grades weren't so good. Mm-hmm. And I almost had to repeat, like, I almost had to have an extra year of high school. And so one semester I asked my parents, can I, instead of going to seminary, take this class that I need because I failed it so I can graduate. And they said no. (laughs) And I was like... But your salvation, Brittany. And I was just like... And I think that was another nail in the coffin where I was just like, oh, well, okay then. I guess um, this bullshit of a class is more important than me graduating high school. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I think those were our our seeds of doubt and we got a lot of good stuff to talk about in future episodes i hope we haven't unleashed too much of our emotional baggage on you all well some people will like it right well i just (laughs) hope that those of you out there who are questioning who are struggling whether it's with your um identity because that's one of the big things once you leave the church you lose part of your identity i think because you're totally right because the church is such a big part of your life. It's your moral code. It's your foundation. It's for if you're born into one of the legacy families, it's your family history. Yeah, like my my dad's side of the family were part of the people came who came across. Like they've been Mormon since kingdom come. My mom's side were converts. So my mom was raised in it from the beginning but all my aunts and uncles and my grandma were converts so that's a very interesting other side we'll have a conversation about converts my mom was converted when she was like 28 we'll have a really interesting (laughs) and so you know both my parents knew nothing else Mm -hmm. or like you at least your mom had some outside experiences (laughs) yeah raised catholic lapsed catholic and then mormon and then lapsed mormon (laughs) Um, but we just want to be, if we're just hoping that this podcast can be a safe space for people who are questioning, who want to find some answers, who, I just don't want people to struggle as hard as we did. Yeah. I think. Like, I wish there was a podcast when we were in high school that kind of dealt with these things so it would have been easier. (laughs) Yeah. And, and also if you aren't LDS or Mormon, and you're just really, like, curious. I hope that we provide some insight. Like, mm-hmm. obviously we're biased because it wasn't for us and we left. But hopefully you get some, like, you get to learn something and get to laugh. Like, we're gonna... Hope we're funny. We're hoping, like, in the future we're gonna talk about, like, whether... Is the LDS church considered a cult? Yes. I'm not so <laughs> sure. So this is where, you know, we're gonna have a lot of 
discussions about things. Yeah. Like I said, we want to try to bring some receipts into it. So if people are like, mm, yum, 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 we'll be like, well, in Articles of Faith and blah, 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 you know. Yeah, because I think another thing is like we've known each other for a very long time. And there are a lot of things that we, we share opinions on. Um, but we also come from very different backgrounds and we had very different like high school experiences and college experiences mm -hmm. and you've lived in different parts of the the u.s whereas I, i've been in arizona all my life so i think like there's some things that we can actually have a really good discussion about and like you know sort of tease out all of the different details and I don't know this isn't we're we're not here to say like this is right and this is how it is we're just here to talk about our experiences and hopefully like learn more about ourselves mm -hmm. and our experiences as we go through them right we're we're almost treating this as our own little therapy session yeah. so we can kind of deal with some of the things that happened while we were growing up now that we are like older and wiser and I have been through actual therapy right. for a long time um but obviously we're not here to tell you to leave the church we're not here to tell you you have to believe one thing or another because that's what we were raised and we would never wish that on someone no. else that's not our intention and we just want to have discussions we just want to have people question things and mm -hmm. I think the church has good things there are good things at the church. Well, like, they're very family-oriented, which is which is fine. You know, they believe in taking care of your kids, which uh -huh. obviously not everybody does. Like, you know. Yeah. But I do think there are good things about the church, but there are a lot of issues. Yeah, and I'm I'm of the opinion, I, I saw this on the Ex Exmo Reddit, and I think it's true, like, the things, the good things about the church aren't unique and the unique things aren't good so right. that, that's kind of where we differ but like well we differ. Look, it's fine well it's kind of like here could be an argument that it is a cult usually cults have those things like see all the good things we do well, come join us people to join. yeah and but, so <laughs> are those good things because they actually believe it or because they want to recruit people and you know that's it's gonna we'll have like a we can have a whole episode just talking about that. That is, yeah. And just realize that we're not perfect. We have opinions. We have biases. And um, we respect you if you respect us. And Yeah, and I apologize in advance for being a chronic overshare. <laughs> uh, so podcasting is perfect for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm an overshare, too. I just, there, there are some things that I think I'm going to keep closer to the chest just because it doesn't just involve me. That makes total sense. We're like, you're, you know, I mean, it involved your sister, but I don't think, like, your sister would really mind if you talked about, like, a boost. Yeah, it's, like, I, I won't mention anything about, like, claiming what she feels or, like, how she responded or anything because that's her story to tell. But, yeah, I, I don't think that she would be upset for me or like i wouldn't talk about like things like my sister went through because that's her story it's not exactly. mine yeah so um sorry if there are holes <laughs> like i said we're not perfect <laughs> maybe we could do like a my favorite murder thing and have like a corrections corner like oh, we're they gonna do. have to <laughs>
Okay. Well, I have to get, I have a therapy appointment in an hour, so I have to get <laughs> Enjoy your therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, we got to close this out, so how do we always close a testimony meeting in the name of, we don't want to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of new microphones. <laughs> in the name of starting a new podcast. Amen. Mm. Bye. <laughs>